0: All right, today, Paul and I are joined by Chris Craker to talk about hydrogen. Chris is Northwest Natural's Emerging Technology Program Manager, did I get that title right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Brilliant, thank you. Chris started at Northwest Natural as the Natural Gas Vehicles Product Manager. He joined Northwest Natural after working at Northwest Energy Efficiency Alliance. Chris,
0: welcome to Public Power Underground.
1: Hey, thank you. Good to be here, crew. pretty good like things, very good recruiting.
2: things. Really? Come and join no, on. just kidding. No, um,
1: yeah, I did Go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a little surprised there. Well, I mean,
2: but uh, you were being
1: kind, gas. and I called you out on Those your kindness. But still, it's all, yeah, that wasn't great
2: of me. We, know we, aren't it's a bus it's, uh, we are. We try to be. We on, we're electric utility on.
1: enthusiasts, and you're a you're a natural roll gas utility. So it's gonna be. It's a crossover roll for us. On. We need each other.
2: Uh, you know, you know I think we're going to get into that in you know, a little bit, but I think we need each other. So this is a good news, conversation to have. Fully
0: I think that's true. Before we move on to the, the Natural Gas Vehicles Program Manager. And so, um, I've, I mean, is this still a thing? Um, is it going to be a big thing? And I'm going to be surprised by it. Um, well, it's no longer vehicles. that. He's no well,
1: longer that. So it is I, a question I, I, of like, are you no longer that because you realized it wasn't a good career move?
0: I I was not trying to dig, uh, just to be be more curious, but it's a fair question.
2: Yeah, so let's be honest, natural gas vehicles have never really been a big thing in Oregon. Um, We really haven't had the support we need. You know, a variety of different areas to really make it as big as it is not only in California, but in other areas of the world, some areas of the world, there's, there's tens of thousands of vehicles out there than there's everywhere. Right. But in Oregon, you and I don't see them every day unless you see a waste management truck going down the road, um, pretty much, you know, I, almost all of our waste haulers are all, um, CNG vehicles. And, uh, you know, that's really been that core segment, but you know, other than that, really has not taken off, um, and then now we're looking at a point where, you know, electric vehicles are starting to make sense, at least, at, you know, at the consumer scale. Um, still, who knows what's going to happen at the larger vehicle scale. Maybe that'll be the hydrogen play. But uh, yeah, you're right. You don't see a whole lot going on here in Oregon.
1: When I was like doing the research on your LinkedIn page, that search uh, notification on your LinkedIn page was was me. Well, I was at least one of them. Uh, it, you, you came you started like motor motor. Okay, Motor Something Institute is one of your early stops in, like, Minnesota. What's the story there? You're into cars?
2: <laughs> yeah, so originally from Canada. You're
1: going to hear that in the accent. I'm going to say oh, love house, house
2: and about, and you're going to be like, yeah, it sounds a lot.
1: Project? Project,
2: yeah. Uh, I have adapted, you know, um, but uh, it still comes out. So originally from, you know, Winnipeg, middle Canada, and uh, started off working for a, a, a bus company making oh. uh you know, Greyhound, intercity coaches type thing, and got to uh, keep in the automotive industry. Did that for about nine years and moved to Minneapolis uh, to continue kind of in that industry. Worked uh, for a refrigeration company that did over the road refrigeration kind of stuff, oh. air conditioning, and then moved over to the West Coast and worked for NEA, uh, Northwest Energy Efficiency Alliance, for a little bit, and then moved over to Northwest Natural.
1: So this uh, this this role as the product manager for natural gas vehicles, that's like back to your roots in big commercial vehicles. That's why that was how this worked. That's how you got into our space. Exactly energy space. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. We've solved it, Matt. Well that well, makes sense now less than invest... five
0: minutes and I've learned a whole lot. This is yeah. great.
1: <laughs> okay. time well spent. Well, well, you know, the main purpose I had for inviting you, Chris, was because I needed someone to explain to me all of the colors of hydrogen. There yeah. are what, like, there's I don't know, there's like green, there's blue. I I, I don't there's maybe a brown. I think I, I've now discovered there's something like a like a pink of some sort. Um, yeah. And I am looking for a good infographic, and I need you to interpret the infographics audibly for our listeners. So. <laughs> Um, and I'm really hoping great content help, help me figure out all of these colors.
2: (laughs) Sure. Um, I, I mean, I, I know a few of the colors to be, to, you know, in all transparency, there are so many colors that I have no idea what some of them mean anymore. There's a violet, um, hydrogen that came out the other day that not to be confused with the, uh, the pink hydrogen that we all know, um,
1: so um, there's a new violet hydrogen different from the pink yeah we all know you said that as if we all know what oh of course yeah, I like there's that. pink hydrogen
2: exactly of course, i appreciate the benefit about, of the doubt we there know,
1: <laughs> we all know about pink obviously
2: yeah and as like, you know I, I think you know we all started using these colors because it was kind of a, a neutral easy way of us to kind of think about all the different sources of hydrogen maybe someone you know, had this epiphany when they're looking at the Crayola box on their, their living room counter. I don't know what it was, but it just started to take off. Um, But now we're kind of realizing that it is very confusing for people, especially anyone in the policy space. Um, And they're just trying to pivot away from the colors. Um, You know, we're just trying to look at carbon intensity, you know, don't really care where it comes from, as long as, you know, we can measure and control the carbon intensity. At the end of the day, that's really all that matters. But we can dig into the colors if you want. Like, absolutely. I still want to go
1: over some scala- the colors because yeah. they are still used, right? Even if we, mm-hmm. it, it, they still come across the Twitter transom um, and come come into, I don't know. We talk about them still. So I yeah. still want to get into it a little bit. But it sounds like the colors are like the input. Like what's the feedstock into this production of hydrogen? And what you're saying is you're trying to translate it to not what, like what's the feedstock but like what's the out like what is the overall carbon content instead of what's the exactly feedstock? yeah okay. exactly
2: so you know um you know the big ones are the green hydrogen and the blue hydrogen so okay green hydrogen you know typically we're looking at an electrolytic source of hydrogen that's using electricity to um you know break that water molecule up into h And O, H2O, uh, take the hydrogen from that electrolysis process and do something with it. So that's kind of the green hydrogen. You know, just to be very uh, confusing, some people call hydrogen from renewable natural gas um, also as green hydrogen. And, uh, you know, that again, you can kind of see how it just creeps. And, you know, what are we actually talking about here? But generally, Uh green is electrolytic hydrogen. The other one is blue hydrogen. That's kind of the big one. The efficiency
0: on that conversion.
2: Yeah, right. Um, the blue hydrogen is uh, is made from natural gas, um, and then we sequester the carbon, so we grab the carbon from that process, and then we sequester it, typically in uh, a depleted oil well or in some kind of saline formation. So those are kind of the two that we talk about mostly, most of the okay. time today. Okay,
1: okay. Yeah. So you sent me some infographics from a few different people. I, uh, I will tell you in review of your infographics, you need help in the infographics department, <laughs> but since you aren't trying to get this adopted, maybe the infographics are, are, are helpful in that. So maybe you're, maybe it's, maybe this is on brand. Maybe this is the story.
0: Well, uh, and I got to jump to jump to Chris's defense here. Yep, They're not see. his
1: infographics. Right. Thank that you. That is true. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Okay. So, uh so you started off with the electrolytic types of then there's and and i'm a i'm a i'm gonna help here this is part of the skill set that i bring to the table there are three (laughs) colors of electrolytic hydrogen it looks like we have green pink and yellow am i doing this right
2: yep yep
1: okay what's the difference between green pink and yellow
2: yeah so Green, you know, renewable source of electricity: wind, solar, hydro. You guys are electric guys, so I'm sure you love it when people call hydro uh, renewable, right? That's that's that's. I awesome. mean, we only do it only because, because it is.
0: Yeah.
1: Only because <laughs> it is. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. Is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Carbon free. Uh, These are all carbon free.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and and title, you know, you know, kind of renewables, kind of thing. And um, the pink—that's uh, the, the the nuclear option there i don't know why it's okay
1: big. so somebody felt the need to distinguish between carbon-free renewables and carbon-free nuclear and coming yeah. up with the color coding okay mm-hmm. i can see why you and want to move colors. away from this
0: so why are there two colors for nuclear oh, that is that is something it's that purple
1: I could... and pink and it's and... not violet
0: <laughs> well it oh, depends mind. on on which link i think right but i don't understand why can you imagine the policy conversation
2: you know are we talking <laughs> purple here sir or pink or is it more of a violet you know yeah. it's just totally confusing
1: okay but then the other so those are the three the yellow is it uh what's the yellow it's just every anything this else from grid. electricity yeah okay.
0: grid
2: I, to be honest i've never seen that one before um, okay. no one talks about yellow hydrogen maybe i'm just not in the in the loop there well it's I like think yellow snow right you just don't <laughs> you
0: know
1: you know warned about it. it but we just don't yeah exactly yeah. okay and then, so that's that's a process driven. That's if you're taking electricity, running it through water, and making some hydrogen. It's one of those three colors. Is that what I'm understanding? Right? Okay. Exactly. And you can see how these feedstocks are very different in their carbon intensity. If we talk
0: yes. about,
2: you know, just grid power compared to, you know, wind. You know, it's it's all electrolytic hydrogen, but very different carbon intensities. Okay. Well,
0: it depends on whose grid, of course. I mean, if it were eWeb's grid it would still be some some pretty minimal carbon intensity from a ghg that's true you guys are, are
1: pretty squeaky clean there yeah do you want to throw that out there brag on eweb klatskenite is also really clean okay okay we're very good up here in klatskenite okay <laughs> okay so the other colors right so i'm looking at the infographic i've got blue turquoise gray brown and there's also black this is really interesting they're from different feedstocks and different. they use different processes. It's a whole smattering of differences here, it sounds like.
2: Yeah, so the blue is basically gray with carbon capture.
1: So, okay, so gray oh, okay. is just natural gas.
2: Exactly. Yeah, pretty much all the, the hydrogen made in the world today is all gray hydrogen. You just take natural gas, they reform it, uh, make carbon dioxide and, uh, and hydrogen and hydrogen. That's by far the cheapest method. And of course, that's why it's you know, ubiquitous. But if you capture that carbon dioxide and, and, and sequester it, it becomes blue hydrogen. And, and now we're getting like really into the weeds. If it's CO2 gas and sequestered, you know that's blue hydrogen. But turquoise hydrogen, you're going to see there right below the blue, is, uh, is, is hydrogen made from natural gas using um, methane pyrolysis. And that's reforming the natural gas into hydrogen but solid carbon. So you you don't have this gas that you're trying to stuff in uh, in, in the earth's crust and you you actually have a powder. And this powder, you can can use it to make uh, carbon fiber. You can use it to make tires. You can put it in a landfill. You can put it in a mine. You're not really bound by this gas anymore. Um, And so there's a lot of new technologies coming out with pyrolysis that are are, are very, very promising, like the uh, the monolith project that just got announced. They got a billion dollar DOE loan to build a, a turquoise hydrogen plant. So if that works, that that could be pretty, pretty exciting.
1: So that's what they're talking about with this turquoise thing is you're actually coming with a solid carbon. And just because we're all friends of the energy gang here and Jigger Shaw, did that was that a DOE loan program Did it come out of his department?
0: I think so. I think nice. so, Nice, yeah.
1: nice. We're going to have to research that it's a good that hook. Really we, should cool. should,
0: we should start returning his texts, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, he really I wants had, to I,
1: come on. He really wants to come on. And we're like, oh, I don't know. It's like you already have you know, a brand and we're trying to build our own.
0: Exactly. Yeah. You had a podcast, man. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I, I had to look up uh, pyrolysis, uh, assuming I'm even saying that right. I do not know. It's also known as devolatilization. Um, I didn't know that. No, I, I didn't do. know that either um heating it's the the heating of an organic material biomass any of the above in the absence of oxygen so in, in an inner wow. atmosphere they they heat it's it's it, i mean it, isn't that how you make coal isn't that the same no i kind no of the idea. same it really uh, or, my excuse here. me when i said at charcoal specifically um oh uh, yeah okay. uh, you know
1: okay make well that's, coal, a, that's you a good dig it out of the ground that's a that's a good uh, nice segue there matt because it looks like brown and black are both like from coal yeah, exactly.
2: And that's, you know, uh, in North Dakota, I think they do a lot of this they, um, a lot of their natural gas supply and hydrogen supplies make made out of just gasification of coal. So they've chosen the lovely colors of brown and black to represent that process, okay. um, probably for obvious reasons.
1: Okay. And you're talking about we do this, we make hydrogen out of stuff today, coal and natural gas. What do we use it for today? Uh, the Hindenburg burned. That was hydrogen, right? <laughs> It was, yeah. We don't use it for transportation in that way anymore. What do we, we use don't. it for? Yeah, what do we use it for otherwise? A lot of refinery processes. So oh. whenever we make petroleum um, uh, products,
2: we need hydrogen to do a lot of that. And fertilizer, uh, pretty oh. much all made up of hydrogen. Yeah, NH3, ammonia, um, take nitrogen from the air, combine that with hydrogen to make NH3. So those are the two largest industries by far in the, in the world today.
1: Okay. And right now we're doing those industries with uh, natural gas reforming processes and coal gasification to get to this hydrogen to use this other thing. Yeah. And what we're talking about is how to do this in a different way so it's less carbon intensive. Exactly. How do we get and the the great benefits of hydrogen but not have
2: to, uh, you know, have this, this carbon footprint that that we want to get away from?
1: And that's what an emerging technology program manager at Northwest Natural works on. Exactly. I
0: love it. I like it. That's exciting stuff. I, I had a, I, I apologize to go back to blue hydrogen here for a second, Paul, but I did have a question about the um, the sequestration aspect of it. The the image we're looking at here uh, uses CCUS um, for uh, carbon capture, utilization, storage. So you take you know you take the natural gas and you you know ensure that there's no emissions, and all of a sudden it's not gray, it's blue, right? Um, I'd never heard that that phrase or seen. Um, um, the acronym or the uh, CCUS before, the, the utilization aspect as opposed to just uh, carbon capture and sequestration, which is how I'd always seen it. Is, it, um, is that an important distinction, uh, the utilization aspect of it?
2: It is for certain industries. A lot of people um, look to that carbon as is to be a, a feedstock for other goods and uh, that we manufacture today. So using that carbon and putting it in, in uh, cement to make uh, concrete, for example, um, uh, util, util, utilizing it, um, making plastics out of it, um, things like that. So not just sequestering it underground, but actually using it in place of, uh, you know,
1: normal materials that we use today.
0: Interesting. Okay. I, I great. learned another thing today. It is. I learned a
1: bunch about carbon. My main takeaway is we're trying to go to just what's the carbon intensity of this hydrogen instead of what is the color of this hydrogen, which is a Mm -hmm. colorless, uh, odorless gas, I assume. Colorless, odorless, it is, yeah. Exactly. Good.
0: And it burns really well. Um, The takeaways from my perspective are uh, basically you want to go electrolysis and and you want to do it in either E-Web or Klatskinized service territory, right? (laughs) Did
2: I get that right? You take nothing else away, that, that's the main <laughs> message there.
0: Perfect. You heard it Lord. here
2: first,
1: folks. <laughs> electrolysis or paralysis? Paralysis sounds fun. Py- pyrolysis?
0: Paralysis? paralysis does not sound fun.
1: No. Pyrolysis? Py. Pyrolysis. I, <laughs> I thought it was very different. Py- pyrolysis. Pyrolysis. I'll go with pyro- Yeah, pyrolysis.
0: Uh, let's stick with fun. electrolysis and then we don't even have to worry about it. I like it. Okay. Let's do it. Fair enough. Chris, uh, thank you very much for that uh, and for going with us on that journey. Um, but we need to take a quick break. Um, are you willing to stick around to chat a bit more about ways that we can use hydrogen? Yeah, you bet. Brilliant. Thanks very much.
1: Public Power Underground is brought to you by Northwest Public Power Association. Visit their website at nwppa.org. nwppa.org. Northwest Public Power Association believes in public power.
0: Well, Chris, we, we are, thank you again, we are back from intermission. Uh, there are a couple of technical questions that we are hoping to cover with you. First, uh, could you please help us and our listeners uh, understand the difference between H2 or, or hydrogen and RNG, or I believe it, what is renewable natural gas?
2: Yeah, so renewable natural gas is uh, CH4, if we get into the, the chemistry part of the program here. So, what. Um, it's basically um, methane produced from um, biological processes. So whenever you have something that rots, uh, you have the potential to, to, to create methane. And, you know, uh, so we're talking garbage, we're talking about food scraps, we're talking about human waste, um, biomass, um, wastewater treatment stuff, all that good stuff, uh, when, it, when it rots, uh, creates methane. And so if CH4. And we grab that, we, we cleaned it up, we put that in the pipe in place of uh, fossil CH4, which we get from uh, typically just drilling a well for that. And uh, identical chemicals, uh, but just one is from a, a biological process. Um, and H2, uh, hydrogen, is just two hydrogen uh, atoms combined together to make a hydrogen molecule H2, which is, like, like you mentioned before, a colorless, odorless gas. Um, uh, it's very similar in, in properties to, to, to methane, uh, but different enough such that there's a little bit of work for us to, to do before we can put uh, it into our pipe, which I think we're gonna talk about in a second. But yeah, um, hopefully that answers that, that chemistry question.
1: You're, you're muted, Matt. So I'll pick up the the moment here. So it sounds like Rookie. it's more like I, I John John Hart. eWeb's John Hart, who is an intellectual leader in my life. Uh, he did, he made the distinction between biogenic sources and anthropogenic sources. So is that another way to think about methane that we that comes from dinosaurs that we dig up anthropogenically, and and methane from the you know, our biosphere that comes through natural processes? Can I do that? You can. That's perfect. Yeah, you got it. Even more detailed than than I I can do. Thank you, John Hart. Shout out mm-hmm. to
2: John.
0: I, I will I will pass that along and make sure that he's aware of it. Thank you for that. Uh, I mean, I hope he late. listens.
1: I hope he listens. Oh, he does. Yeah. Um, okay.
0: He does. Uh, I can I can promise you that. I think um, on top of all that, they're they're really fun words to say: biogenic and anthropogenic, and we don't have yes. to worry about the uh, you know the pyrolysis issue uh, earlier. I I had a question about. So, all, you know. um, the molecule you're talking about comes from you know, rotting and, and associated processes, but um, and and when we smell natural gas, there's something bad about that smell—the rotten eggs and so forth. But but methane in and of itself doesn't actually have an odor associated with it. Correct. What do you add? What do you guys add to the uh, to our infrastructure uh, to make it smell so bad?
2: <laughs> it's called a mercaptan, and uh, it is really 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 smelly I, I think I mean I think our noses can sense it in parts per billion I mean just really horrible stuff um and I you know just thinking back to well, I don't know where I was Was it was a university one of my professors said it's the same chemical from that, that emits from a uh, decaying uh, 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 so our 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 body like smells that real quick and uh, we've grown to um, identify natural gas with that smell.
0: Yeah, uh, it, it definitely gets a reaction. Uh, well done. Thank you. Sorry for the diversion. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, but so the, my, my second real question, um, uh, with respect to quote unquote greening um, the natural gas infrastructure uh, here in the Northwest and throughout the country, a la um, Oregon's SB98, for example, um, let's just say that, that we don't know much. You may have already come to that conclusion on your own. Uh, throughout this conversation, but what we do know is that we there's an existing network of natural gas pipelines throughout the country and throughout the Northwest distribution lines, one of which runs to my house. Um, we know that the molecular structure of hydrogen, we, we just talked about that, we've got H2, you've got CH, CH4, um, and what I assume, but I don't actually know for certain, um, is that the differences between those two things prevent H2 from being a direct substitute for the CH4 molecule in what we have in place today, is that is that accurate? Uh,
2: yes and no, so a, a one-to-one replacement, like changing it overnight to 100% hydrogen to um, um, from you know 100% natural gas to 100% hydrogen, we couldn't do with the existing system overnight today, uh, just because of the, the differences in, in the gas properties. Uh, so um, d- just a, a few different things, hydrogen has a lower energy content per cubic foot. Uh, it's about a third that of, of natural gas. So immediately overnight, we would, uh, would only be able to deliver about of a third the energy that we do today. So right away, that's not going to work for uh, our region. And um, and, and our, our burners and things like that and our appliances, they are designed to work with um, uh, the natural gas, uh, um, ga- gas. And they will work not quite right with 100% hydrogen. So we can't just do that flip of the switch today, but what we can do is we can blend today. Um, so if you look at um, gas companies like Hawaii gas, they've been blending about 12% hydrogen into the natural gas system for about 40 years now. So, um, you know, we're looking at blending. This is not, you know, um, cutting edge stuff. It's it's things that have been done for a very long time by, by others. And um, so we think we can get up to about with our existing system right now and uh, that's looking at our existing distribution system materials compatibility appliance compatibility and things like that
1: so is there is it around seals and stuff because ch4 is at least a bigger molecule than h2 is it around seals and pumps and stuff or is it just this the energy density there's uh h2 you just need more of three throughput or something like that
2: yeah so um it is around seals and the material compatibility. I, um, so we're looking at that uh, based on experience from entities like Hawaii gas. It's an on issue. But we want to make sure that you know um, uh, anything that we're using specifically in our system uh, isn't going to be affected by that. Um, it is a smaller molecule. But as, as someone from one of the, uh, the organizations we work with, if you look at
1: compared to a baseball and a softball, that's kind of the difference in size. OK. Between. It's about a 30% difference. So it is smaller. So yeah. is it more reactivity when it comes to materials and seals and stuff like? Exactly, hydrogen likes to to bond to things, and uh,
2: sometimes it, it causes some materials to degrade. Um, and it it just depends on what kind of material it is, what kind of uses it's being used under, uh, pressures and things like that. And so okay. we're looking at some seals. Uh, we're looking at steel lines. Um, steel can can react. There's a process called hydrogen embrittlement. Where the hydrogen can actually uh, diffuse into the steel to cause it to have a little bit of lower um, f- um, impact strength, uh, but um, you know that's really at high pressures and high cycle um, pressure cycles. So today we don't think that's going to be an issue on our distribution system. Uh, maybe more of a transmission line issue, okay. uh, but something that we need to be cognizant of. And at the at the blends that we're looking at, um, you know, up to that 20%, we. we we don't foresee that as a, as a showstopper today.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, uh, I want to ask more questions around. Well, I'll just ask it now. What type yeah. of improvements? I mean, when, when you talk about the cost of improving those lines so you can do more H2, is the goal that you end up, are you going to build new systems so you can have higher than 20% utilization of this H2 in our existing infrastructure? Or are you going to start building new infrastructure for H2? Or threading yeah. through existing infrastructure.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, blending today allows it. <laughs> exciting, great question. Um, I'll, I'll let you know when you got a bad question, uh, just to be equal there. Uh, yeah. So, you know, blending gets us a quick hit to decarbonize yeah. with what we have today. Um, I don't think anyone is looking for um, blending to to get us to 100% of the decarbonization of where we need to be. I think we're going to have to give. Um, certain areas or certain customers 100% hydrogen to, to decarbonize um, as deeply as we need to. And, and so just unpacking that a little bit more, um, some of our larger customers um, that are kind of, let's say, at the end of the line or in areas where they're really the largest load, it, it might make a lot of sense to convert them entirely to hydrogen. And to look at their equipment and just change them completely over, and use a, a massive amount of, of energy and decarbonization potential with them, um, while we're doing things like blending in our existing system. Um, but that's kind of you know at how we're looking at things.
1: Well, I suspect one of your larger users maybe is power generation, which is a great a segue to the next
0: question, Matt. It's a it's a fantastic segue. Thank you. Um... The, uh, it, so it does sound like there's a limitation on, on on how much we can substitute given what we have in place, but um, that's that's distribution infrastructure. What about utilization? What about natural gas fire generators, for example? I hear stories about what LADWP is doing with conversions there. Um, I want to say, um, oh, it starts with a W and I'm not going to remember right now, the German company that makes them, makes turbines. Uh, the Wartzels? Oh, wow. war, war, war. That's it. Wartzel. Right. Wartzel. Um, and if that's not right, then I'm hoping you'll fix it in post. But um, you know where I'm going with this, right? There's a there's a lot of conversation about um, uh, making sure that that uh, we've got we've got the ability to adjust if and when um, the the supply becomes more readily readily available. Uh, so what can we do today, and how do we get to that future point?
2: So from what I understand from electric utilities, and you guys can definitely correct me here. Uh, it, the existing turbines that we have here in Oregon, uh, a lot of them are really compatible with uh, a good amount of hydrogen today, upwards of 30, maybe even 40%. Um, that's kind of what I'm hearing around around the, the water cooler type thing. So we can blend a lot of, you know, that's a lot of gas going into those those turbines that we can just blend in today. Um, and so uh, it, it might make sense to do that that sooner rather than than, than later. I think long term. There's definitely some research going on to 100% hydrogen turbines, but I don't think we're quite there today, but as you do retrofits and, and um, maybe bring on new hydrogen plants, that'll be an, an option. Um, yeah, so that's a big big usage potential for, for hydrogen to help decarbonize not only the gas system, but the electric system uh, in the future.
1: You know, I think some of our friends at Portland General Electric may have some it, more insights onto this. Maybe we could find a friend that could come talk about hydrogen and, uh, you know, combined cycle plants and stuff. What do you think, Matt? We know
0: somebody there? I, I think so. Uh, I think we we'll we'll have to double check.
1: To find somebody. Wartzilla. Yeah. Wartzilla. It uh, was Wartzilla. Say, yeah, yeah. I'll just say it one more time really clear, and I'll go edit it in later.
0: Wartzilla. That's right. Thank go. you. That's,
1: that's good. Perfect. Yeah. I love I love what we're doing all, the, here.
2: all the new words today. All the new yeah, words. Exactly. Um,
1: and I can't believe I forgot Brene Brown. I'm really embarrassed about that. Uh, maybe I'll edit that out and post. Um, <laughs> the the other there are a lot of other industrial processes that use natural gas. I li- recently listened to a, a Volt podcast um, that they talked about decarbonizing these industrial processes and the scope of that work. Um, the the green hydrogen, the carbon free. Uh, uh, low carbon intensity hydrogen is a solution for some of these industrial processes that you need like process uh, process hydrogen for i think green steel uses hydrogen as a major component for steel production uh, we have a lot of paper mills in the northwest is there anything can you talk to what how that may work uh, what type of you know infrastructure improvements or equipment changeouts would would be necessary for like paper mills it for some you know if somebody's interested in paper mills you know hypothetically, hypothetically. someone might be interested in paper mills in Oregon not not sure uh hypothetically yeah. you know maybe it's a large load
2: yeah a lot of process heat going on there heating things up uh water uh you know I am not a, a pulp and paper wood kind of expert by any means but all I know is they they heat a lot of things up and they got a lot of burner tips, and so hydrogen lends itself well to just taking the place of natural gas. And in that equipment, there does need to be a little bit of design work just to make sure that the the burner, like I was mentioned before, with you know standard appliances, works with that gas, which is a little different. Hydrogen burns a little faster, it um, and uh, has a little bit of uh, a, a different flame temperature. It burns a little hotter, actually, than natural gas does. So we want to make sure that that equipment, that bespoke equipment that they're, they're using, uh, you know, can work with the hydrogen. But uh, ultimately, we don't see a huge uh, difference there in, in how they they use that energy uh, in their processes today. So uh, burn natural gas to heat water, burn hydrogen to heat water. Uh, should should work out okay. Obviously, I, I maybe I don't know what I don't know there, but uh, we we're, we think we can do a lot of uh, load shifting to that new, new gas.
1: So can you talk a little bit about the infrastructure needs to get the hydrogen to these large loads? So the, the, you know, infrastructure requirements at the paper mill, you know, if we got to change out a bunch of burner tips for, to, I mean, that that may make sense. And that's somebody, there's a lot of engineers that can probably do that pretty well, but getting it there, you're thinking, are you thinking about solutions and looking at, you know grants and stuff like that to to get it you talked about end of line instances where maybe you can get to full 100 hydrogen faster than just blending can you talk a little bit about how you're thinking through when and where and how to do that
2: yeah or end of line or hubs areas where there's gonna hubs, there's a hubs. Clu- clustering of of industry that can really take advantage of a 100 hydrogen system um, that's kind of how we're looking at it so having dedicated hydrogen lines Either repur- repurposed natural gas lines or newly constructed hydrogen-specific lines um, to serve those those huge loads and clusters of industry that we have. We have definite pockets throughout Oregon where we you know we have a lot of activity going on, and uh, it might make sense to uh, m- either move hydrogen there or create hydrogen there to to decarbonize those those industries. And and the nice thing about that is we have we could decarbonize our region really, really quickly and really, really efficiently just because of, of, of those clusters. So there is some, some monies coming down the, the pipe or down the pike, uh, depending where you're from, um, from uh, some infrastructure funding um, uh, that was passed last year at the federal level. There's about $8 billion that they have set aside for these hydrogen hubs. And uh, we're hoping that we might be able to get one here in the Pacific Northwest. They they have to produce or fund a a minimum of four, um, but uh, hopefully at least one of those four uh, can be up here. So uh, we'll see.
1: So you're putting in an application packet. We follow, we got Jesse Jenkins spreadsheet up here, Google Sheets. The Underground is very familiar with this Google Sheets because we've talked about it before. We got the $8 billion in here from the Infrastructure Investment Job Act. So is Northwest Natural trying to get is grant funding in there? You're putting in an application? Uh We'll or is see. That trade secret? Is that trade <laughs> well, secret
2: tell me, I don't know. It's a lot going on in there. We're definitely looking at uh, getting some partners to figure out how to mm-hmm. how to do that kind of thing. Um, you know, for one of these hubs to work, you really need four four parts. You know, you need production, storage, transportation, and ultimately usage. You need someone that's going to use these molecules. You need all four of those things um, kind of baked together, and uh, I think you can get a nice nice cake uh, at the end of the day. Uh, if, you don't, if you're missing a piece, it's probably not going to work. So uh, right now, we're, we're, we're working with partners to see which pieces they can take on. We can definitely take the transportation piece, um, maybe the production piece, not sure. Uh, definitely the storage piece. Um, but we're going to need someone, um, some other people to, to sign up for, for ta- doing the offtake.
1: And how big are these hubs? So you talk about trying to have, you need all of these components to make the hub work from production to usage. How, um, how big is the usage hub is like, are we thinking about like, Hey, there's, there's end uses for like transportation too. Or are we thinking like we need a bunch of paper mills really close together.
2: You know, to to date, that has been a little bit um, nebulous as how big these hubs are going to be, you know, what they kind of look like. It definitely has not been defined yet. So we're all kind of waiting to see what exactly are they looking for. Um, So, but, you know, in my, in my opinion, they're probably gonna be around $1 billion infrastructure investments, uh, maybe 1.2. And, you know, if you have all four of those pieces together, you know, look at the pipelines involved, you might, might, might be decarbonizing one of our major customers, maybe a a pulp and paper mill or two in the region, if that gives you kind of a squishy feel how big they are.
1: Yeah, I was curious about how far a billion dollar goes in this type of infrastructure package. So I mean, that makes that makes that makes sense. Thanks.
2: Yeah.
1: So don't yeah don't hold don't, me to that
2: though don't hold me to that though. i mean that's i am gonna hold you i'm gonna early I'm gonna have days this on that
1: and when i see that i will send you the link to this episode <laughs> and i will say you said it via paper mail well,
0: paul you're my next yeah, i was gonna say chris that was very specific um just from a dollar's perspective and from an end use perspective and so you said you know you didn't really know if you're gonna be gonna be doing this i mean what if we were to promise we wouldn't tell anyone
2: <laughs> just framing them, you know, just like the colors, the Crayola. Hey, that's a good idea. I, I picked some numbers and some some examples and hopefully they're as useful, useful as the colors. As useful as the colors. I love it. It's great. Well,
0: at least as useful as the colors. At least as useful as the, um, the colors. I still don't know why nuclear has two colors. Um, but uh, uh, the you may not know the answer to this, but it is something I'm I'm uh, curious about um, kind of doing the conversion from uh, uh, thinking about this along the lines of how the hydrogen is produced via electrolysis, what kind of, um, what are we looking at from uh, size? Um, You know, let's assume that we get one of those hubs and let's assume it does all of the things that you said. And we're looking at the higher end of the 1.2 billion.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, We're talking about five megawatts. Uh, We're talking about 20 megawatts. Um, Had some conversations in the past with with Douglas um, and some of the stuff that they're doing up there. Um, they've got, you know, the potential for, for they're talking about maybe putting in 20 megawatts of, uh, um, of electrolyzers um, up there, just contiguous with the dam. And so kind of where we're looking at uh, with respect to that and scale wise.
2: So, yeah, that's another great question. Not, not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to you know say that to both Paul and you on that. Um, I don't
1: feel like you've said that to me very much, mostly to Matt.
2: You had your win. You okay. had it. I'll take,
0: uh, okay. hey, I'll take all I can get.
1: <laughs> so when we look at, you know, offtake, someone's going to have
2: to pay for that hydrogen, right? So if you're talking, you know, using ele- electricity to make hydrogen in the Pacific Northwest, um, you know, the price of electricity is is relatively high here uh, compared to other areas of the country.
1: And... Um, well, I take that personally.
2: Well, let's, let's look at Texas. If I look at solar and wind in... You know, West Texas—that's
1: like what half
0: cost uh, for PPA oh, no. out there. At
1: nine thousand dollars a megawatt hour. I don't know if you hit the price cap there. Well, five
0: thousand and then nine thousand. Yeah, just anyway. <laughs> yeah. So even so, yeah, it's
1: cheap. But then
2: there's cheap uh, power. And <laughs> there's free, and, the, then, and there's, then
1: there's power you pay to take. So you, we'll, you we'll see.
2: We'll see if we can get electricity that's cheap enough to make green hydrogen work with a. Uh, with a, a hub here because at the end of the day someone's got to pay for that hydrogen right mm-hmm. so that that's still going to be a gas that's much more expensive likely uh, today than renewable natural gases. Um, or other options out there, so at that scale, uh, we need to find a customer for it, and so. Hey, you know,
1: Go ahead. I was actually wanted to ask about this, uh, and I didn't prep you within the in the notes, so we can cut this in post if there isn't. Is there like an inverted heat rate on this process where you can think about at power, like because the heat rate for uh, converting natural gas to electricity is like you know sixty, seven hundred, ten thousand uh, Btus per kilowatt hour. Is there like an inverted heat rate on the the other process so we can think through? Oh, at power prices, it. You know, $40 a megawatt hour, the dollar per BTU equivalent for hydrogen would be, you know, $6. It, 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 is there something there? Because to me, that that's how I would be helpful for my brain, because we're used to heat rates.
0: Yeah. Well, and I do... think, Go ahead. I was just going to say, part of it's going to depend upon the technology you're using, too. Are we talking about um, what type of electrolysis? Are we talking about a particle exchange membrane? Are you talking about uh, just cracking the water? Um right? The, uh, um, but I, I, I think, and I, I was where I was going to try and lead you with this, Chris, if, if I could, and apologies if we, if we can't get there is I, I, I think that there is talk of a number where hydrogen becomes economic for long-haul trucking. Um, and that in particular is, uh, is, is something I'm interested in.
2: Yeah, so the, maybe the inverse heat rate here is if you use 55 kilowatt hours per kilogram, of hydrogen, that's kind of the efficiency to to make it. So you can do some quick math there to see you know I gotta write this is...
1: down. I'm gonna save it <laughs> for later. It was what? Fifty five dollars? Fifty five kilowatt hours. Oh kilowatt hours. Per, per kilogram, kilogram of hydrogen.
2: Yeah and each kilogram of hydrogen is about 135 thousand BTUs. So one point three five therms. Um, not sure what you guys used to
1: to do your heat Beats rate use.
0: stuff there, uh, it's not therm's. Um,
1: no, it's good. That's that's helpful. I'll I'll I do guess... the I'll do the math and post and I'll uh, put it in the comments.
2: <laughs> good, but yeah. So we to get on par with let's say RNG, we need power, you know, thirty dollars per megawatt hour or lower um, to get close. Um, like you said, free is a lot better. Um, you know, curtailed power right now in the Pacific Northwest, you guys know better than I do, but not nearly as, as much, let's say California. That's that as we move to more renewables, that number is going to grow, obviously. But uh, I think free curtailed power is pretty, isn't very abundant today. And so for this hub that's coming up, I'm not sure what that ultimate price of power would be feeding it. And that's basically going to dictate, um, you know, the size and 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 who's who's willing to put in how many megawatts of electrolysis. Uh, it's going to come down to what kind of power price could, could go into that, and then who's going to match up with that offtake.
1: Um,
0: yeah, just remember, you get what you pay for, Chris. You know, well, that's that's the thing, right? Um, <laughs> so, if you, if you want cheap power, you're going to end up with cheap power. It'll be curtailed. You know, we're reliable up here
1: that electron that electron it's very different (laughs) i I tried yeah it was good uh we are running out of time this has been great i just really went some places we were really dorky on this one good job matt
0: sorry flying flying those true colors good um so, yeah, no, th- we did. Um, we did, and it has been fun, and, and I appreciate it. We, uh, Paul and I focus on the things that confuse us and, and interest us here, and so thanks for, again, thanks for taking the journey.
1: This portion of the interview was included in our regular episode, so I'm going to take a quick break uh, for a word from our presenting sponsor, The Energy Authority. The Energy Authority's mission is to help clients maximize the value of their assets and meet their power supply goals. TEA does this by providing expertise in energy trading, advanced analytics, renewable solutions, and a whole lot more. You can learn more about TEA by visiting their website at teainc.org. That's T E A I N C org the energy Join authority there is underground as it gets now back on. to Matt and Chris to close Bring out the episode
2: some way yeah.
1: than well, this has been fun thanks for the conversation I was gonna ask you about Ted last so we already did that I'm glad you I'm glad you watched the show I got a believe sign over here I got a believe mug yes I do believe
0: dang yeah, you're uh, all in you're all in on last He is all in he's a lot of stickers too I do have a bunch of stickers
1: yeah. You know what? It's a, it was a hard time. The pandemic was a hard time. It was a glimmer of hope and positivity, and a, you know, really, just your were off. It came came I, when we needed it. It came when it we really needed did. it. Really did.
0: So yeah, I did Ted Lasso for uh, for Halloween. Um, Grow out the mustache and everything. My wife was not pleased. Um, got a really <laughs> good picture, and I ended up buying my mother um, a shower curtain and putting it up in her house without telling her of just my face as Ted Lasso. Um, And it was very funny to hang up. And now every time I see it, it is just terrifying. Um, So for those of you at home, if you're thinking about doing something similar, I'd recommend against it. Uh, But uh, I'm going to share my story. It was a similar story.
1: For a little while. My son uh, dressed up as Ted Lasso as his favorite character. uh, For like your favorite character at school day. He has not watched it, but he did dress up as Ted Lasso. There was so much pride in my heart when he did that. I'm sure your mother was very proud. Has your mother watched Ted Lasso, Matt?
0: Yes, absolutely. It would have been a really confusing joke otherwise. Um, why does my son have uh, his weird hair and a mustache on my shower curtain? Um, but going back to, to uh, your son, Paul, he, the best part was the mustache on the mask. Oh,
1: mustache on the mask. It was very innovative. Right? Yeah, it's very innovative. What character would you be? I'm going to do it anyway. What character would you be if it was te- if you were a character in Ted Lasso, Chris? What's your, which character are you? Oh, man, that's a tough,
2: I mean, everyone loves Ted. I
1: mean, everyone's rooting
2: for Ted. I, I, I got to be Ted. I mean, okay. who else would you pick?
1: Well, I don't know.
0: I, I had Laurie picked did. for me, so I didn't, I didn't oh, really have a choice there.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm rolling am So long, long as it's way.
0: not Nate, I think we're all okay with it. Right? Yeah, no, Nate started first... off strong, though.
1: You got to give it to Nate. We were all rooting for Nate. We still are. We still are rooting for Nate. Yeah, redemption arc. There's a redemption justice
0: arc. for Nate would be a good... Is he redeemable? Awesome. I mean...
1: there got to be a redemption arc. Let's wait for it. Okay, that's it. Let's do it. Close it out, Matt. Let's get out of here.
0: Uh, okay, I'll do my best. Uh, Chris, thank you very much once again for the conversation. Sincerely appreciate your taking the time. Paul is going to place links to all reference materials and everything mentioned and apparently some math uh, in the show notes. Um, thanks very much. This was a lot of fun. Hope to have you back. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks a lot for the
1: for asking me on, and uh, had a great time. Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon. See ya. And that was our special bonus episode uh, covering. All the colors of H2. Special thanks to Matthew Shretnick, the power planning supervisor for Eugene Water and Electric Board, for co-hosting with me. I'm Paul Dockery, the creative director of Public Power Underground and manager of the power department for Clatskanie and PUD. Public Power Underground is Public Power's premier infotainment program that covers public power and public power adjacent news from a power department's perspective. If you've made it to this point in the episode, you knew that already. Public Power Underground is a production of Clatskanie IPUD and News Data. The views expressed to your own and not the official views of Clatskanie IPUD, News Data, or the organization of the guests also appearing on Public Power Underground. Public Power Underground is public power and public power adjacent news from a power department's perspective. It's written and directed by Clatskanie IPUD's power department, led by me, Paul Dockery, and it's edited and published by the stellar team of Pioneer Utility Resources, led by associate producer Sarah Wooden. Our theme song, Roll On Enthusiast, was rewritten, performed, and recorded by Aaron Guillory and Ian Bledsoe. Special thanks to TEA and the Northwest Public Power Association for sponsoring this content. Please send them a note. Let them know you appreciate their sponsorship. Uh, Public Power Underground for electric utility enthusiasts. Public Power Underground. It's work to watch.